Welcome back for episode 45 of Self-Signed Artist. Have you ever found yourself in a slump or a creative rut or a plateau? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about why slumps happen and how to get out of them. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. What's up, Jake? Uh, Just here in New York, enjoying the nice weather that we had for one day, and it's back to freezing. <laughs> yep. How you doing over there? I'm doing pretty good. Um, freaked out a little bit because... Um, well, I mean, you know, but the people who are out there listening to this don't know. Right before we were setting up this podcast, my computer decided to completely freak out on me. It was like flashing all the windows. They were just like opening and closing, opening and closing, just flashing, going crazy. I had to force restart. And now I'm just nervous. Everything seems to be good right now. Knock on wood. But yeah, not <laughs> not exactly <laughs> what I was hoping was going to happen. I hate computer problems. It's like one of the biggest things that freaks me out. Treacherous. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. So hopefully we're good now. I mean, if it doesn't work out and something goes horribly, horribly wrong, then you won't be hearing this. So if you're hearing this podcast, then everything went fine. <laughs> so today I want to talk about a topic that I know both of us have had experience with. And I think everybody out there has had experience with as well. And it's not really a fun part of being a creative person, but it's something that everybody's going to have to deal with at one point or another. And that is going through a slump or a plateau in your creative field, whatever that is, if it's songwriting, if it's just playing an instrument, being a performer, any of those things you can kind of go through a low point and struggle to find the next step and find a way to get through that. I know I've had a lot of experience with that, even fairly recently. Jake, I'm, I'm sure you've had something similar. Oh my gosh, yes. So we just kind of want to give you out there listening strategies and things you can try to get through a slump and get back to progressing and being creative and making your art. So before we kind of jump into that and ways to fix the potential issues and pitfalls that you might find, I just want to talk about what I mean by a slump or a plateau. To me, those are two very slightly different things, but they're very much related and they kind of come from similar starting places. So when I'm talking about a slump, what I mean is when you go through a time where the things that normally come easy to you, the things that you're normally able to do kind of effortlessly get in the zone, those things all of a sudden become really hard. Like if you normally sit down and you can like come up with a fun guitar riff or you can rip through a song of lyrics or something like that in whatever, a half hour normally, now all of a sudden you sit down and it's like nothing comes to mind. It has all of a sudden become hard to do the thing that you normally do. And I think something that often comes along with that and you could argue whether or not it's a cause or an effect of being in a slump, 
But what comes along with that is a lack of motivation, a lack of drive to do the thing that you normally want to do a lot of. This is something that I went through a lot when I was writing music. It's something that thankfully I haven't had to deal with a ton more recently now that I've kind of moved on to the audio side of things. But I don't know. I think a lot of songwriters especially have to deal with that. Do you feel like you've ever had that sort of thing, Jake, where all of a sudden things just are hard when they shouldn't be? Oh, yeah. I've been going through that for the last year. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to come out of it right now. Not right now, yeah. but like soon. <laughs> well, from, by the end of this episode, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll hopefully. get you out of it or we'll get you on the path to getting out of it. All right. I think the the other one that kind of is related but slightly different is a plateau. And in a plateau, I think it's not necessarily that you you like move backwards or that you're not able to do anything anymore. It's more like things just sort of flatten out and the progress stops. You kind of get stuck at a certain level and don't know the next steps you need to take to move up to the next level. That next step is what becomes kind of unclear there. It's not like all of a sudden you can't write songs anymore. It's more like all the songs you write are the same, like the same level. You're not getting better at writing those songs. You're just sort of writing the same type of song at the same level over and over and over again. So a plateau is different than a slump in that you can still do work. You may be really inspired to do work actually, but adding more work or working harder continues to deliver the same results or delivers diminishing results. So there's kind of a key difference there, but a similar sort of thing. In both a slump and a plateau, you kind of feel stuck and you can't get to where you want to get. I think the first question that we kind of have to ask is how this actually happens. Like what causes a slump or a plateau? And one thing that I've noticed with myself when this happens is that either one, a slump or a plateau, seems to always come after a small success. Or I shouldn't say always, but often it will come after I've had some sort of like small success, whether that's a goal I was working towards that I achieved or or something like that. And then once that actually happens and the next step isn't clear, like what am I going to do next? I have to watch out for that because sometimes I'll fall into a slump or feel like I'm plateauing after that. Do you think that could be taken care of with planning? I think maybe it could be taken care of with planning, but it's hard to plan for after a success, you know? Like when something works out and goes well, there's a a certain level of unpredictability there, I think, that's hard to plan for. Like if your goal is to, I don't know, get 100,000 followers on your band Instagram profile and you do that, I don't know how you go about planning necessarily for the next step after that. Like what comes after that? You know, it's, I guess you could go for a million or something like that, but with some types of goals, there's not a a next step. Mm. You kind of have to figure out a new type of goal. Or at least that's what I found for myself. Like there'll be like an end goal. And then if I have to pivot to some other type of goal, that's potential for a plateau or a slump. If I don't know where to go. Have you ever felt anything like that? Like when you achieve something, you're excited for a little while. And then after that comes like a long period of. Yeah, uh, I I would say I would say that's where I'm at right now. 
Mm. A big question mark. Just not knowing what's up. Right. I think for a lot of people, the assumption is that when you find a success or when you reach success in some goal, that then your job becomes to continue doing that, you know, to continue doing what works. And I think a lot of the times, while that may make sense on one level, I think it can kind of become an excuse for getting a little bit complacent and not pushing the boundaries and striving to improve. Because at the end of the day, like success is a sliding scale. You know what I mean? Like there's success at one thing, but there's always more success than what you've achieved already. You can always go up. So I think a lot of the times people hit a point and they say, okay, like it's almost like that becomes good enough. And once you reach good enough, you can label yourself successful and you don't have to continue to grow or improve or anything like that. For a lot of people, that is the start of a slump or a plateau. When you're not pushing a boundary anymore, things can start to kind of get stale and not progress. One other thing that I think can lead to this, where you kind of flatten out and stop growing, is if you don't look for outside feedback on whatever it is you're producing. If it's a song for your band or or whatever it is, if you're not looking for outside feedback, outside of your inner circle, like you and your bandmates, that can be a problem where you'll end up plateauing, I think. And there's this kind of saying, I mean, we've kind of even perpetuated this a little bit on the podcast when it comes to like self-assessment. We say that like we are our own biggest critics, but I think there's kind of a hidden flip side to that too, where we're also kind of the easiest to impress (laughs) ourselves versus like a random stranger or an audience member or or whoever it is. I know that this has been a big problem for me personally with growth, especially when it comes to mixing. I'll work on mixing. I'll work to get better at mixing and I'll reach a point where I say, oh, like I do a mix. I'm like, oh, wow, that's like, I really found something here. I like, this is a great mix. I'm really happy with this. And I kind of, I don't know, I impress myself to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm good. Like I don't need to, I don't need to work on anything else now. Like I should just put this out there and everybody's going to come to me or whatever it is. And I think the same thing can happen with music. Like you get to a point, you write a great song and you're like, wow, this is really, really awesome. I'm amazing. I don't need to do anything else. Where if you instead hit those points and then look for outside feedback it can kind of point out some of the things that you might still need to work on and allow you to continue to grow afterwards where you're not just going to continuously put out something that is impressive to you. It's going to actually resonate with an outside audience as well. And this is something that we talked about a lot in our episode on the topic of criticism and feedback, which was episode eight called Sounds Good. So if you want to learn how to go about getting some of that feedback from people who will actually help push you forward. We covered that in depth. Jake, do you feel like that ever happens to you? I know that this this is probably one of my biggest issues when it comes to like hitting a plateau is that I won't actively search for somebody to give me criticism. Mm, I feel like I'm pretty regularly sending out my mixes for criticism. 
I would say. And my songs. Not so much the songs, actually. Not criticism for the songs. I feel like that is something that you've done well in the past, though. Like, I know, I know you've sent things out to a bunch of people for that purpose, for, like, improving them, yeah, making yeah. them better and stuff like that. So at least from my perspective, an outside perspective, that's one thing that I think you're pretty strong in. Oh, yeah. I'm always looking for someone to tear it up, to tear the mix yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've gotten <laughs> that text from you multiple times. <laughs> yeah. You'll send me something and it'll just say, tear it up or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, so for me, that's a big struggle. I don't know. I like to get something to where I feel like it's good. And then I don't want anybody to tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. So I need to listen to my own advice there. Yeah, there's definitely both sides to it. Yeah. The reason I think that this is really important, though, like, is that if we look at this from a purely business perspective, like take the art out of it altogether, like ultimately, if you're trying to make money with your music, it doesn't really matter what you think of your work. Like that's going to be, I feel like that's going to be off-putting to some people because like obviously art is a really personal thing. But like I said, if we're putting this strictly business and making a living with your art, like it really matters what the audience thinks of it. So if you can find out what they think of it, that's going to help you get better. And that's the harsh truth. Would you agree with that? Yeah, man. It hurts me to say that a little bit. Because <laughs> you, you have to be a people pleaser. And that's not to say that like that you shouldn't like your music or whatever, like that you should make stuff that you don't like. I'm just saying that ultimately, if you want to take it somewhere, like it does matter what other people think of it if you want to make it a business. Drop a comment if you think that I'm absolutely wrong on that or if you think that that's the worst advice for artists and we can we can battle it out in the comments on Instagram or something, <laughs> something like that for the post for this episode. There you go. <laughs> but moving on to the last thing that I think can cause a slump or a plateau is something that is even more personal, I think, than that. And that's your sense of worth connected to your work. So I think one issue that people run into a lot is they start to equate their own worth, like as a human, with their work too much. This is another thing that we kind of perpetuate unintentionally through some of the things that we talk about on this podcast, like outreach to fans and engaging with fans and things like that. We talk about how fans want to get to know you and how like you are your brand and things like that. But if you really take a step back and look at that from a broader perspective, why do they want to get to know you? It's because you make great art. They like your art. So it's really your work that gives your brand value and not your own like intrinsic worth as a person. So when you equate yourself with the brand, like from a value perspective, I think that's not good for your mental health. And then ultimately in turn, that's not good for your work either. Oh, so yeah. both things kind of suffer and can push you into a slump. Oh yeah. Yeah. I do this all the time. I just get wrapped up in my work. And if someone says they don't like it, it's like, obviously it's nothing personal, but you take it so personally right. because you work so hard on it. And like, you've known it since it was a baby. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You watched it grow up. You taught it how to ride a bike. And now <laughs> they don't like your kid. <laughs> and right. it's not even your kid. That's not even your kid. You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, but I, th- I mean, this is kind of, I guess, connected to the feedback thing, the outside feedback thing, because there's sort of like a like two ends to that. Like you can do a good job with the feedback, but if you take everything as an assessment of your own worth as a human being, that can still send you into a slump. So you have to have both of those things. You have to be willing to look for that outside feedback, but take that at face value, that it's about the thing that you've created that you are getting feedback on. So I think for a lot of people, that can be a downfall. You start to feel not good about your work in general, and then you just stop making work. And you either slump or you plateau and start making the same thing and not leveling up. Those are the main three things that I think will cause slumps or plateaus for most people. So I want to go into a pretty simple three-step process for getting yourself out of that once it's actually happened. So let's get into these three steps that you can use to help lift yourself out of a plateau. The first step is one that we've already talked about a little bit, and that's assessment. So in this first step, this is where you should go and search for feedback like from the start, outside feedback, and then also do some self-assessment as well. If you're looking to improve, which is ultimately what you're trying to do if you're getting out of a slump, you're looking to step upward to make an improvement, you need to kind of define what your weaknesses are. And then we can move on to the next steps after that. So one thing that I would recommend people doing is write down your own weaknesses, the things that you struggle with when doing whatever it is you want to do, creating. And then also get feedback from an outside source and compare those. Like, does your feeling of your weakness line up with what somebody else says? Because sometimes you might feel like, oh, I, I am really bad with lyrics or something like that. But you get outside assessment, outside feedback that says your lyrics are your strength. So just because you have a hard time making something happen doesn't mean it's a weakness. Does that make sense? Like, there's kind of two sides of that. There's how difficult it is to do and like, the quality of it at the end result. Then the next thing that I would write down for yourself, this is on a self-assessment level again, is write down the things that you feel like are limitations for allowing you to move forward. So again, if that's lyric writing, if that's what you're trying to improve, is your limitation your vocabulary? Is the limitation that you don't have enough topics to write songs about is the limitation that the style of your music doesn't always line up with the content that you want to write lyrics about like what is what's the thing that's keeping you from writing the best lyrics that you possibly can define those limitations and write them down then once you have all of that you have that self-assessment you have that feedback you have those limitations Set yourself some goals because that's going to tell you what to do next. So you want to get better at writing lyrics for songs that are not love songs. That could be a defined goal that you can move ahead with. So that's the first step, assessment. We're just trying to figure out what we need to work on to get out of the slump. Step two in the process is really the crux of it. This is the thing that's actually going to make the difference. And when I first say it, you're not going to like <laughs> what you hear because it is 
work. And it's something that I think a lot of people kind of actively try to avoid doing because it's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It doesn't always feel good to do. But this step is deliberate practice. So I've been reading this book lately that's been, this is really what got me thinking about this as a topic idea and getting out of slumps. And the book is called So Good They Can't Ignore You. So the book is basically inspired by this quote by Steve Martin. And he was asked in an interview, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the context of the interview was, but he was asked how he got to where he is, how he got to such a high level in comedy. And essentially his answer was that there's no shortcut to doing what he did. It's not like he had a lucky break or anything like that. From the outside perspective, it can look like a bunch of lucky breaks and stuff like that. But ultimately his strategy for getting to where he got was to be so good that they couldn't ignore him. And that kind of has defined his whole career. So this is what we're trying to achieve essentially with this deliberate practice step. We're trying to take whatever that weakness is and make it not a weakness anymore. In fact, I mean, ultimately you want to turn it into a strength. The way to go about doing that is just focusing on those one or two specific things and then intentionally pushing yourself just beyond the reach of what's comfortable in that area, but not too far. You don't want to go like full in and put yourself in a situation where you just have no idea anymore. Like say, I'm only going to write a song with words that start with the letter T as like a solution to the problem or or something like that. Like you don't want to take it too far, but you're just trying to push yourself ever so slightly past the point of where you're normally comfortable doing what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think I've heard that before. Yeah. This is kind of an idea that's played out in a bunch of different fields. Like this isn't even something that's just specific to like creative fields or anything like that. It's, it's an idea for sports. It works for, I don't know, like games like chess is, is one of the examples that's used in the book. And, and this is actually one of the examples that kind of resonated with me the most where I was like, okay, I understand how this works and how it relates to music. So basically one of the kind of case studies in the book has to do with kids who are being brought up to be chess masters, essentially. And there were kind of two camps of thought when it came to how to get really good at chess and be a champion in chess. You had one group of people who said that in order to get good, you just have to play a ton of chess matches, games. What is it in chess? You had to play a bunch no of <laughs> you had to play a bunch of different people in chess just over and over and over. Like the strategy was just to go to a, as many chess tournaments as you possibly could and that was going to make you the best you could be. And I think that kind of tends to be the advice for most things music related too. Like if for the songwriting example again because that's what most people listening are looking to do, write great songs. I think the advice for a lot of people is to write as many songs as you can. Write a song a day. Write three songs a day. I'm sure you've heard an interview with an artist at some point when they're asked, like, how did you get to where you are today? And they say, I wrote a song every day or something like that. That's kind of the universal advice. I heard Ed Sheeran writes a song every day. Yeah, that's one of the classic examples. Ed Sheeran, yeah, said he wrote a song every day. And I mean, he's successful. So seeing that, 
it'd be easy to believe, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you need to do. That's what you should do. But with this chess example, there was a second group of people who thought about it differently. And they were the deliberate practice group. So essentially, this way of thinking said that the best way to get good at chess is to get a teacher and focus on specific things that you can do to improve your chess game through study. So like literally this group of people would read books on chess <laughs> as a way to get better at chess. And then they would try to apply those things that they learned in strategic ways by playing somebody who's very slightly better than them in chess and using their knowledge. They would learn something, they might lose, but they're gonna learn something that they can then apply to their next chess match. So what ended up happening through this kind of like study is that the people, the kids who were brought up with the deliberate practice method ended up being better at chess overall as a group, which I think would surprise a lot of people just like on an instinctual level. You think, oh, the people who have played whatever, twice as many chess matches are going to be better. But that's not necessarily the case if they're doing the same things over and over. They're making the same mistakes over and over again. And also, if you're just playing a bunch of chess tournaments, you're just as likely to be matched up against somebody who's way better than you as you are against somebody who's way worse than you. And both of those situations don't really help you get better at chess. If you get crushed, you don't really learn anything. And if you crush somebody else you didn't really learn anything. You really get better at chess by playing somebody who's just a tiny bit better than you. So I think that this is also the best way to get out of a slump in music. To find those weaknesses, like we said, in the assessment stage of the process, and then deliberately focus on improving those specific things. And if you're able to do that, chances are you're going to be able to move on and get out of your slump. Then, in this same step, the deliberate practice step, I think one key component is also still true, and that's get outside feedback, right? Yeah, big time. Like, you're trying to work to improve something specific, but you still need that outside feedback to help you kind of reassess and figure out if you've actually improved something. That's kind of a running theme through all three of these steps, is get outside feedback. And then finally, the third step in the process for getting out of a slump is integration. So now you've practiced these things that you thought were your weaknesses, you've improved upon them, and you just have to now add those into your regular work. You need to find a spot in your routine that you can use that new skill. This should be kind of an easy process to do, to integrate what you've learned back into what you're doing if you did the first step well, if you were able to identify weaknesses that were weaknesses and limitations that were actually holding you back from getting where you want to get. So that's kind of the three-step process. Assessment, deliberate practice, and then integration. Does that make sense, Jake? Are you able to like kind of see how that might play out in a given situation? Not, not 100%. Do you have an example? Well, if it's cool with you, let's use your situation as kind of a case study then, because you were mentioning like you felt like you're in a little bit of a slump yes. for some time now. So maybe we can kind of get specific here and give you the next steps for moving on to where you want to get. Yeah, honestly, it feels 
feels like you kind of wrote the episode about me. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure these are things that everybody needs to hear. Right, exactly. Um, but I mean, I don't know. You've heard my my new instrumentals. It's definitely like the sound that I want is pretty much there. It's different. I like that. I'm struggling with the lyrics and the mm -hmm. melodies. So I guess let's kind of go through some of these steps then and just sort of lay out a plan then. So as far as assessment goes, like you mentioned, lyrics and melodies are the struggle points, like the parts that you're having a hard time with. Yeah. What exactly is the limitation there? Like what prevents you from getting those lyrics are there things that you always come back to over and over again topic wise or like yeah topics topics are always the same and i feel like my lyrics are always very for fact very like high school notebook you know what i mean what do you mean by that like too too on the nose i guess i don't know how else to put okay. it too literal describing everything and not being artistic enough okay so that's something you want to work on what about as far as melodies what do, what do you feel like is the weakness or the limitation that's holding you back with melodies i don't know how to use my voice in certain ways like i don't necessarily want to sing the way i've always sung mm -hmm. so i i keep reverting to to melodies that i would always reach for you know what i mean or the same types of melodies that i would always reach for right um, you've got your go-to yeah things. yeah right and trying to get past that and come up with fresh ideas. And when you can't, man, it's frustrating. Okay. So those are two good things that I think we can kind of create a plan for practice for. So let's think of what, what are some things that you could do outside of your music, like stuff that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like you're not going to put it out. It's just for practice. What can we set up for you to, let's start with the lyrics, to write more interesting lyrics that you feel are more interesting? Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know how that's done. I feel like maybe I need to read some <laughs> literature. That could, yeah, that could help. I mean, yeah, I don't know, reading poetry, reading other people's lyrics. What about as far as like you creating lyrics yourself, practicing creating lyrics that are outside of your normal like loop of go-to things? You mentioned that there are topics that you write about a lot. Yeah. What's a topic that we can, can we give you a limitation, I guess? Kind of like what we were talking about last week with evolving. Like, can we set you a box to work in where you have to create something that is about a specific topic or you're barred from talking about a specific topic or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that could be possible. So what's your kind of go-to topic? Uh, relationship. Failed relationship. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> That's all my songs are. <laughs> <laughs> so how about this? How about you need to write a song that's from a perspective other than your own? Interesting. So you need to write multiple songs. You need to write multiple lyrics, maybe over the course of a month or something like that. You need to write a lyrical idea every day that is from a perspective that's not your own perspective. Is that something that you think would be worthwhile practicing and kind of get you out of your go-to loops? Are you saying like third person or? Not necessarily third person. You could write it as a, a yeah, a first person song where you're like, I such and such. Yeah, yeah. But as far as the topic goes, 
not drawing from personal experience or from personal connections to something. Like you have to, there are a bunch of ways that you could try to go about that. You could try and write from the perspective of a character in a movie or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, w- that could be cool. So maybe that would be one thing to try practicing deliberately. Try to write a lyrical idea. Obviously, it doesn't have to be a whole song, but a lyrical idea every day that's from a perspective other than your own. So there's something to start working on for lyrics. What about for melody to get you out of your regular melody loops? Maybe if it's your voice that is the thing that is causing you to kind of fall back into these go-to loops, maybe it's writing a melody every day that is written on an instrument other than your voice. Like you have to write melodies, but you can only use a keyboard or a guitar or something Mm. like that. And again, these are not, the intention here is not necessarily for you to write something that you're going to use in a song. Right. It's to break you out of the loop. Okay. And to move you on to the next thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that could work. So those are kind of two things that you could deliberately practice with the goal of getting past it. And then on top of that, getting feedback from an outside source on how you're doing on those. So, I mean, you could have an accountability partner. I could be your accountability partner for this, where you write a lyric idea every day, you send it to me and I'll give you feedback on it. You write a melody idea every day on some other instrument and send it to me. I'd be willing to do that for you, Jake. All right. All right. This is it. (laughs) Documented on the podcast. (laughs) All right. So like, I think that that's a, a good place to start. And then once you've done that, then it's finding a way to integrate that into how you actually go about writing songs for your artist career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Some of the takeaways that I got from reading this book and some of the inspirations I took away from reading the book. Again, if you want to pick up the book, it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it's by Cal Newport. It's not a book specifically related to the music industry or anything like that. But it's kind of a a good thing to think about and think about building up your craft, being a craftsperson in whatever endeavor it is that you're trying to pursue. Do you have anything to add, Jake? No, I'm excited to uh, take on this project. Nice. I mean, I think I'm going to try and do the same thing for myself for mixing. Right now, I don't necessarily feel like I'm in a rut or a slump or anything like that or a plateau, but I think... One of the things that reading this book has kind of pointed out to me is that there's always more you can do. Like there's never a point where you get where you can say, okay, like I don't have to think about this anymore. I don't have to get any better. I can just hang here and things are going to be great. And that's kind of an idea that I wanted to get across in this episode, especially considering like this podcast and what this podcast is normally all about. Like we're normally not really talking about the actual creation of the product so much as we're talking about the business side of things for getting that product out there and getting people to engage with it and stuff like that. But I think this is something that's easy to forget. Like we said in our very, very first episode, there's kind of two parts to having a successful music career. The the part that's kind of a given is that you have to have good music. And I think sometimes the second part that we talked about like having a plan for that music, a business side of your career, sometimes we kind of use that as an excuse for neglecting the music 
or an excuse for why our music isn't doing what we want it to do, isn't reaching as far as we want it to reach. It's because we say, oh, well, we don't have all the business stuff figured out. But kind of by the title of this book that we were talking about, it can be worth just trying to get so good that they can't ignore you. So that's what I would encourage people to think about this week, pushing past whatever limitations you feel like you have and setting up a strategy for deliberate practice to move you on to the next step. If you're in a slump, it could be to get out of the slump. If you're on a plateau, it could be to get to the next step. Or if you're feeling good, it's just to continue moving on and growing. So that's my hope for everybody this week. Thank you guys for tuning in again for another episode of Self-Signed Artist. If you guys could please go leave us a five-star written review on the Apple Podcast page, that would be delightful. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. That's all we've got for you on this episode, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. Thank you.